where we, we left off last week talking about the sword of the Spirit, and, um, and I really want to expand on that message this morning. And if you weren't here last week and you missed out on, the, on, that, on that message, we do have a podcast facility as a church, which you can, um, which you can access. So you can go to Apple uh, Podcasts and you can search for Every Nation Durban. And you will find our podcasts over there. Or if you're uh, not fortunate enough to have Apple, then you can. I'm just kidding. You can go for SoundCloud, all right, which is also just an app that you download uh, on your phone, um, and it does exactly the same thing. But when you search under SoundCloud, you need to look for ENDBN podcasts. That's what you need to look for, and you will be able to access. The podcast. I am hoping to expand on our podcast. I am hoping to do some midweek ones as well, picking up on the word. So um, it's 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 out rolling. I'll tell you a little bit more about that maybe next week. But um, it is a great way to to keep the word uh, in your life. And if you miss out, that you can catch up. Amen. Um, so this morning, my message is entitled "From Victory to Victory." That's what, I, that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. If you wouldn't mind just uh, looking at somebody this morning, next to you, behind you, giving them a good smile, and, and telling them this. Can you say this after me? God wants to take you from victory and lead you to a victory. I think this is one of the... Some of you are still smiling at each other. What have I done this morning? Just... Come back, come back, all right? <laughs> um, one of the, this is just one of the strangest things. And, and you know what, Mac and TK, great job this morning. I almost feel like they kind of preached the sermon that, that I'm going for. And, you know, even the, the declaration this morning that, you know, shouting freedom. We're going we're gonna to talk about that this morning. And we haven't synchronized really. So, so God's here. And he's, and he's moving and he's talking. Uh, but it's the strangest thing in this Christian faith is that we can be in a position where we have nothing, where on the outside it looks like um, we, we're losing in every way. It, it looks like maybe we're failing. It looks like the bank account is empty. It looks like that healing hasn't manifested yet. Where are we? We're in the, we're in the middle of the month, so some of you are feeling that now, you know? Uh, <laughs> that was, you know, we, we, we can... Uh, we, we, can, we can be in a situation where on the outside, it just does not look like any sort of victory. And yet, in that space, God says, you are victorious. It's the strangest thing. It's that, that on the outside, it's, it's, it's not there, but God still releases the word and says, you have the victory. We see this many times. Throughout the Bible, that Israel will be in a situation, or Gideon will be in a situation, or David will be in a situation, or whatever, and and, you'll, and and the situation is bad, and it looks like they're failing, and it looks like they're under attack, and, and everything like that. And then God says, you are victorious. God speaks to him and says, you are victorious. It's, it's like God looks not at the circumstances, but he looks at our identity. And, and he says, because of who you are, and because of who I am, and because of who I am in you, right now, despite everything, you are victorious. And it's amazing that when we get a hold of that word, 
When we grab that word in that circumstance and we own it by faith, we go to victory. Victory starts to manifest on the outside. So victory starts kind of internally. It starts with a word from the Lord. When we own it, then everything else starts to change thereafter. And so that's how God takes us from victory to victory. And we must understand as Christians that victory is not based on our circumstances, but on our identity, on who we are. And I'm so glad we sang that song this morning, you know. It's who I am. I am victorious. It's who, because of who my dad is, because of who he's made me to be, I am already victorious in life. Now, I just want to pick up on, on what we spoke about last week. We talked about words being powerful last week. In fact, we talked about words being the most powerful things in the universe. We learned last week that, that God actually shaped the universe with His words. That everything that we see was actually put together by His Word. In Genesis 1, He spoke and it was done. He spoke and it was done. He spoke and it was done. And everything that we, we experience, this world, this galaxies, everything came together because of the words that He spoke. And then we see this incredible thing in the, in the same chapter that He then makes man and He entrusts man with the ability to speak as well. And it's like God speaks and the universe changes and and we speak and our lives change. And we begin to shape the world around us. In fact, the entire world that we've made around our lives, you know, our lives, this, the society that we build, everything, it's shaped on the words that we speak. Our words are powerful. They, they shape our, our own lives. They shape our families. They shape our children. How many of you know that? Amen. Your parents speaking over you is, is, is what shapes you. Your teacher speaking of is what shapes you. Words shape you. They shape the world that we live in. Cities can be, be shaped by the words that we speak in the city. Nations can be shaped or held under the power of certain words. Words are, are what build up or words are what tear down. Words are what make us who we are. And this is an incredible thing to understand because when we start to understand this, that there's actually power in our words, when we start to get a hold of this, when we really start to, to own this understanding, that we start to see that we have the ability to shape our world, to change our world with the words that we speak. That, that, that by opening our mouths and declaring things, things can change. Our circumstances can change. And this is what the Bible describes. It says, it says that God's word is like a sword. It's like a weapon. In ancient times, swords were symbols of power. It was, it was a, a sword by the sword that nations and kingdoms were expanded. It was by swords that... That, uh, that dominion was taken, that you would expand your territory. It was all by the sword. And it's by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that we start to establish and expand God's kingdom on the earth. When you start to speak the Word of God, you start to establish God's rule and God's kingdom in your life. One amen. Thanks, Lita. It's nice to have you here this morning. 
You know, when we speak, I don't know about you, but heaven has a lot for us. God has a lot for us. And whenever God wants to do something in our lives, He always releases His word first. Whenever God wants to see something happen, He speaks it, and then it happens. And when we get an understanding of the fact that we bring heaven to earth, we bring the will of God, we bring the way of God, we bring God's desire for our lives by grabbing on His word and speaking it into our circumstances. Man, as, as humans, we, we, we should change. Our prayer life should change. We should pray more. We should speak more. We should be walking around our rooms declaring things. We should be speaking over our kids at night. We should be walking through our businesses at night declaring the Word of God. Because it's when we grab the Word and when we start to speak it, it's like a sword. It comes and brings God's dominion. Forcibly starts to advance God's kingdom in our lives. And this is just... a. This is just what a, 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 a principle within the Word of God that as Christians, we should own it. Man, we should, we should grab a hold of this thing and go, this is the thing I'm going to do. This is the one thing I'm going to understand and know how to do in my life. It's no wonder that Paul said to Timothy, when obviously Timothy was going through some tough times and he was struggling a lot. And, and Paul said to Timothy, he said, these prophetic words that that have been spoken over you, get a hold of them and use those words as weapons to fight. Use those words as weapons. So can you imagine Timothy just maybe intimidated by the circumstances he's in, intimidated by the, 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 the struggles and the difficulties and, you know, all the, what was happening in that church and maybe what was happening in that city, the persecution coming. I can imagine Timothy just like, oh, you know, we, we don't have a venue this week. Um, and, and, and then they had a meeting and, and all the city came in and, and, and rioted the place, and this guy got beaten up because he was, you know, they had a prayer meeting in their house, and they were under persecution, so Timothy was in tough times. And Paul's advice to Timothy was this, you know, don't, you know, he didn't say, you know, you know get some bodyguards, Tim, you know, get, get, get an AK, pack some heat, Tim, you know what I mean, you, you, Defend yourself, you know, get some burglar bars in that venue. Make sure you get roller shutters, you know. His advice to Tim was this, is grab a hold of the words. Grab a hold of what God has said about what he will do in that city. Grab those words and use them like a weapon. It's, it's, it's like releasing the biggest weapon we have. When we get a hold of the word and we start to own it and speak it in our lives. Use it as a weapon. Use it as a weapon. How? You speak it. You speak it. When we begin to speak God's word, when we begin to speak it over our circumstances, we start to see God's rule and reign established. Cities are transformed. Churches are transformed. Lives are transformed. Your life will be transformed. Your family is transformed. When we begin to speak God's word into our circumstances, when we lay a hold of those promises and use them like a weapon, man. Fire them off, man. Speak them with authority. Release them like you're releasing it like a nuclear bomb into the circumstance. Your life's under attack. Your mind's under attack. Grab a hold of the word and use it like a weapon. Speak it into that circumstance. 
Just say five, four, three, two, one, launch. I will overcome in the name of Jesus. Boom. You know, <laughs> it's through speaking the word of God. And last week we took out Mark 11 and we learned it's not just speaking, but it's believing in the heart as well. It's believing in the heart as well. And we realize, you know, our hearts sometimes take a while to catch up. We can say things, we can release those scriptures, but our hearts are like, really? But when we get our hearts believing and owning and our mouths starting to speak, we, we move mountains is what Jesus said. Jesus said this, he said, if you speak to this mountain and say, be taken up and cast into the ocean, and you do not doubt in your heart that those things that you have said will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. Words of Jesus, not me, okay? Not some, you know, kind of like, I don't know, whatever, you know, motivational speaker. This is Jesus, the Son of God. Telling us, giving us strategy. Telling us how to move mountains in our life. You're facing, facing some mountains. He wasn't talking about literal mountains. What are mountains? They're obstacles. They're things that stand in the way of the word of God. They think they're oppositions. They, they're stuff between me and the promise of God. They're things that get in between me and what God has called me to do. And the way we move the mountain is we begin to speak to it and we believe in our hearts. And we do not doubt in our hearts and we begin to speak. And we do not doubt and we begin to speak. And we believe and we speak and then we speak and we believe. And if we keep speaking, eventually our hearts do believe. That's what I found. And whatever we say will come to pass. Those things. So what we learn from Proverbs is that your life is the fruit of what you have right now is really the amount of speaking that you've done thus far. The man will be satisfied by the fruits of his lips. So I don't know about you, but I look at that and I feel like that's a bit of an indictment on myself and my life. I'm like, huh, I need to speak a little bit more. I, I think if this is it right now, I, no, I'm not, this is not my testimony in two years time. This is not my testimony 10 years from now. Because I, I'm happy with what I have, but there's more in God, man. God's called me for more. He's called you for more. He's got greater things for you to do. There are greater victories coming up for you. And so we've got to speak. We've got to own this thing now. We've got to get a hold of this thing. We've got to get out the word. And we got to, we had an elders meeting yesterday and we, 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 we praying as a team over certain things in this church. And I was saying to the team, listen, if you pray in the shower, laminate this piece of paper and stick it in the shower and speak it in the shower. You know, let's surround our lives with the word of God. Amen. So let's just look at the scripture in Ephesians 6 this morning. Can we just look there quickly? I want to just expand on it. Ephesians 6. And Tubbs, thank you so much for that testimony. Hey, isn't it cool? We're so blessed to have you. Where are you this morning? There, there, there. Waving. Ah, oh, we're so blessed to have you, girl. We're so glad God added you to us. Yeah. Um, that was such a cool testimony. Thank you for sharing that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 to 17 says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If you're under attack, what do you need? You need faith. Lift up your faith. If you're feeling like there's some fiery darts coming at you, you need to lift up your faith. Stir up the gift of God within you. Stir up your faith. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the Word of God. Now, in this passage, what, what we notice is that that phrase, the Word of God, when you go and you look at it in the Greek, there's, only, there's, there's, there's basically two words in the Greek used to describe the Word of God in the New Testament. And the two words are the logos and the rhema. So when, whenever you see the Word in, in, in the New Testament, that's talking about the Word of God, it's either the word logos in the Greek or it's the word rhema. The word logos talks about the written Word of God. That the, the logos, it's the, your Bible. So if you've got a Bible in your hand, that's your logos this morning, okay? That's the written Word of God. Rhema, the word rhema, is the, the spoken Word of God. So Logos is the written word, Rhema is the spoken word of God. And in this phrase, when it talks about the sword of the Spirit, the word that is used here is the word Rhema, the spoken word of God. And so we can read it again and say that the sword of the Spirit is the Rhema or the spoken word of God, which is important for us to understand that the sword is actually the spoken word, which is what we've been talking about. When we, when we speak the word, we, we're actually giving the rhema word of God. Now, the logos and the rhema, let me just say this for the record, are always in sync. All right? You will never get a spoken word from God, a rhema word from God, that contradicts the logos word of God. They're always in sync. And we should always check that the word we have is in line with the Logos word. Okay? So that they're always in sync. Um, But in order for the word to be a sword, it must be spoken. It must be a spoken word. Okay? And this is what I want you to see this morning. Now, I've come to realize that, you know, as I go through, like, different seasons in life... What I've found is that God speaks to me in those different seasons. And when He speaks to me in those different seasons, what He says is actually rhema word. So just as like we have the Logos, we have our Bible and it's full of promises and all those promises are for us. What typically happens is that as we go through the seasons of life, God might take a Logos word and make it a rhema word and speak it to you in your situation. Or he might speak a rhema word to you that is in line with the Logos word, in line with his promises. And what we need to know is that when God speaks a rhema word, he's giving us a weapon. What we need to know is that whenever you get scripture... Whenever you get a promise from God, whenever you're traveling through life and God speaks into your circumstance and he gives you a word, what he's giving you is a nuclear bomb. (laughs) What he's giving you is a weapon. It's something that is meant to be owned by faith and released out of your lips and declared into your situation because the way God works in our lives is he always sends his word to do the work. So in order for us to see what God has promised, all right, he, he will always, He will give us a word, and it's based on that word when we start to speak it and believe it, that we then start to see circumstances change in our lives. 
He does this because this is how his kingdom comes. We read a scripture last week when, you know, he sent his word, it says in the Psalms, and he healed my disease. So if God wants to do anything in your life, what he does is he sends his word. And then what we need to do is understand what he's given us, grab it, and use it, like Timothy, okay, as a weapon in our circumstances. You, because this is what I want, because this is what I want us to get away from, is like immature Christianity. Is when God speaks a word to us and we forget it, and we don't own it, and we don't speak it, and we don't believe it. We just get excited in the moment and leave it, and we don't understand what God has given to us. And then we, then we immature because then we get tossed around by the circumstances of our lives. We go this way and we go that way and we're looking, you know, God, what's happening? I'm going to rescue you. Thank you, Lord. We forget about it. Ah, life is so bad. Everything that comes out of my lips, nothing goes my way. Everything I do fails. You know, we don't speak what God is rescuing me in this. You see, maturity comes when we own and we speak and believe what God has said in the moment. So like even for, for, for like now, you know, just the season that we're in as a church, I was praying in my quiet time, just thinking about you guys, and God spoke to me so clearly in Isaiah 54. He gave me Isaiah 54, and I was like, I went and I read it. And in this, there's this part in Isaiah 54 where it speaks about the city that is forlorn and desolate, and he says, and I'm going to come and beautify it. I'm going to come and beautify it and this, I'm going to fill it with precious stones and the foundation will be sapphires and the gates will be pearls. And it's, he's, he's just talking about beautifying the city. And I, and I was like, what, what God was, it was a rhema word from God. Okay. It was, it was the logos, but a logos for now, which is a rhema word of God. And so now I have a choice. I can just go, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. And carry on with life or I can own it. And I can start to speak it and say, Father, I thank you that what you're doing right now in Ian Durban is you're beautifying us, that you are enriching us, that, Lord, where things are damaged and maybe broken or lives are damaged and broken, we're going to see people being reestablished and reignited and lives that are damaged are going to be healed and restored and, you know, and, and, and start to own it and speak it and pray it and believe it because that is the thing that actually will transform the circumstances we must understand that we have a role to play jesus said this to the pharisees he said this he said you make the word of god of no the rhema of no effect by your traditions that scripture scares me it's like that that they were getting rhema word but they made it of no effect by the way they were living their their lifestyle their tradition their thing they 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 their tradition and everything was not taking, it was actually killing, it was destroying the word. They were making it of no effect. People, I need you to hear me this morning. Your lifestyle, okay? Listen, you, you, could, you, could, you could stay without, <laughs> even as a Christian, because the lifestyle that you've built with your lips, okay, is actually toxic to the word, <laughs> Coming in. You're actually resisting the rhema word, the word that God has spoken. You know, and I've seen this in so many people's lives is that they, 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 they know that God has promised them, but they, they live and speak doubt 
and disappointment and like it's never going to happen to me and it always happens to other people. And you know, their, their language and their lifestyle is in opposite. And with their minds, they acknowledge it, but there's no owning it off the rhema word. And I want to say, guys, we need to be the kind of church that owns the rhema word of God. That we own it, that we speak it, read it, surround our lives with it. And David talks in the Psalms about how he, he says this. He says, your testimonies are ever before me. I get this picture of just David, you know, in every area of his life, the testimony of God is first. You know, in, in his family, in his children, in his, in his kingdom, and in, in battle. And there's always the te- your testimonies are ever before me. I have surrounded myself with your precepts, he says. I've surrounded myself with your principles. So wherever I go and whatever I do, the principles of God are always before me. You know, in, in, um, in, in Deuteronomy, God says this to the, the children of Israel. He said, take these words and bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablets of your heart. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablets of your heart. In Proverbs, it talks about fastening your, the word of God around your neck and having them ever before your eyes, in between your eyes. You know, the Pharisees took those, that literally and they took the scriptures and put them in little boxes and they hung them around their eyes. That's not what, the, that's not what God was talking about. Seriously, they used to put it on their clothes and on every doorpost in their house there were scriptures. And that's, that's cool, but the scriptures were always in a little box, you know, and and. And it was more about the custom and the tradition rather than actually owning the rhema. And, and the, the, the idea here that, that we see in Scripture is that we, we should bind them on your fingers, put them around your neck. It's talking about surrounding ourselves, surrounding our life with the rhema word of God, with what God is saying to us right now. I've experienced this. Maybe some of you have too. I've looked at circumstances and gone, oh, Lord. And then I'm up at night and I get some rhema. Hey, I'm telling you, we are where we are today as a church because of rhema word. Because we as a team, as leaders in this church, we've owned the word of God. And we've declared it and we've prayed it and we said, Lord, in this place, this is what will happen. And guess what? It happens. We weren't where we are seven years ago, hey? like where we are today, guys. We're on a journey and we're going from victory to victory. Amen. Same in your life. You're going from victory to victory. You're on a journey. You're going somewhere. But go there with the rhema, man. It's amazing when you release the word in your life, guys. Yeah, come on. Um, do you guys remember when surround sound came out in cinemas? <laughs> Am I giving away my age? <laughs> I remember the very first movie I watched was surround sound. It was Jurassic Park. Do you guys remember Jurassic Park? What a movie, man. Big screen, popcorn. And the first time I've ever experienced surround sound. It was in Cape Town at the V&A waterfront. I still remember I was with my friend Dion and we went to watch Jurassic Park, you know. I'll never forget. And it was crazy because, you know, Jurassic Park is, is like dinosaur. It's dramatic thriller, you know. And I remember sitting there and eating popcorn and hearing dinosaurs walking behind me. You know, for the first time, the surround sound, you know, it, it, when it's really good, you, it puts you in the movie. 
you like, where's this dinosaur? (laughs) You know, he's going to come in here and bite through the roof any second right now. Um, but, but that, you know, surround sound makes you feel like in the movie. And, and whatever we surround our lives with determines our realities as well. (laughs) What surrounds you eventually defines you. Eventually determines your destiny. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you surrounded by? What surrounds your life? What are you surrounded by? Are you surrounded by challenges and hardships and lack? Are you surrounded by negativity? What sort of people surround your life? (laughs) Or are you surrounded by the rhema word of God? And if you are in trouble and in lack and in hardship and in difficult circumstances and you're not sure how everything's going to work out, that's okay. But if you allow that just to surround you, that is what will define you and determine your destiny. So what you need to do is pick up the Word and surround your life with the Word of God because then that will start to define you and determine your destiny. You know, David, in his kingship, established 24-7 praise, prayer, and worship to God in David's tabernacle. Can you imagine that? Just like hundreds of musicians on a rotation system, prayers, you know, just all rotating 24-7, bringing continual praise and worship. Isn't it funny? So he surrounded Jerusalem with the prayer, the praise, the song of victory. What was the result of that? Peace and certain victory in everything that they did. <laughs> the kingdom got established. The God extended the boundaries of the kingdom. Nations around them were subdued. There there was just peace in the kingdom. There was incredible prosperity that started to come. We look at the kingdom under Solomon and we see incredible prosperity, but it was actually David who laid up the wealth for his children's children. (laughs) He laid up all the gold for the temple. It was, you know, and and I know Solomon just added then onto that, but David, it was the prosperity started with David. (laughs) What was David, what did he know about surrounding his life with testimonies? What did he know about surrounding himself with the principles of God, with the praise and the worship of God? And I'm not just talking about, you know, put on a CD and hope for the best. He'll song and, you know, Jesus sort out the problems, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about creating a, a, an atmosphere in your soul. That, that where the word, the word is sung, it, the word is spoken, the rhema of what God is doing in your life is being released. Mark Batterson wrote a book called Praying Circles Around Your Children. And it's a really good book. And in there, he really talks about the same principle of how you need to, as parents, surround your children with prayer, with the word of God. And you pray those circles around them. And, and the principle is this, is that we need to pray circles and pray the rhema word of God around everything. Not only our kids, but our businesses and our families and our marriages. Can we go to Joshua chapter 6 this morning? <clears throat> go to Joshua chapter 6 and we're going to read from verse 12.
Lord, we just pray this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and radically change us. Lord, we don't want to look like the world anymore. And we don't want to speak like the world anymore. And we don't want to think like the world thinks, Lord. Lord, we want, we want to be different in every way. And we're not scared to be different, Lord. Lord, we, we, do not, we, we can see where normal gets to. <laughs> and we don't want to be there. We, we want your kingdom. We want to be people of your kingdom who believe in what you've promised and trust to see it manifest here on earth, Lord, in our very lives, in our time. And like David said, where would I be if I had not believed that I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that that would be our story too, Lord. That we, because we believed we would see your goodness in the land of the living, Lord, we actually had it. We experienced it. Where you are this morning, can we just close our eyes for a moment? I just sense for some of us here, there needs to be a deep repentance. There needs to be a repentance in your heart this morning because I feel like the Lord has, like I almost, I get a sense He's just saying this morning, you know, I've given you so much word. I've given you so much word. Like, can you own it? Can you speak it in your life? And, and if that's you this morning, can you just maybe just repent? For, for not prioritizing what the rhema in your life, the spoken word of God to you. And can you just make a decision in your heart this morning that you're going to own this thing? You really, this is how you're going to live your life from now on. Amen. Um, verse 12 says the following. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. But it came to pass that on the seventh day, which is actually the Sabbath, the day of the rest, that they rose early and went about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, on that day only, they marched around the city seven times, and the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Let's just skip to verse 20. And then it says, So the people shouted. When the priests blew the trumpets, they said, freedom. <laughs> and it happened that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. And the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Amen. Um, I wanted to just show you this, this principle in action this morning in a story. Okay. I felt like God just kind of led me to this passage. The city of Jericho, for those of you who don't know, was actually the first city that Israel had to conquer in order to possess the, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. It was, the, it was the first kind of thing in their way. But what we learn from, from the promise, if we rewind a little bit, is this, is that God said, I will give you the, the land. Okay? God promised them that they would have this land. And 
we see that because they lacked faith, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. See, God's promises actually require something from us. They actually do require something from us. So we learn from their lives is that the promise came, but there was a generation that, that, that didn't believe it. A generation that just chose rather to look at the circumstances than to look at the promises. And so they wandered around in the wilderness until that generation died for 40 years. Okay? And then a generation arose, the Joshua and Caleb generation, and they said, no, we believe. We're done with the wilderness. And you know, it's possible that as a Christian, you can wander around in a wilderness and not experience the promises of God because you don't understand the principle of faith. Because you don't exercise your faith. Because you don't understand that the promise requires something from you. I pray that none of us would be those Christians. That we, none of us would be in that wilderness. Amen? Amen? Nudge somebody and say, you're not there, I'm not there. We're not there, okay? We're not going there. <coughs> so they activate, they activate their faith. They, they start to believe the promise and they start to possess the land. But as, so they, they start to move forward now. And this is what happens when you, when you get faith. You start to, you start to move. Things start to happen. You start to possess the land. But, okay, in the land there are giants. In the land there's obstacles. In the land there's fortified cities. Kind of Max Tide message this morning, hey? We didn't even synchronize. You know, there's this promise, but then there's this obstacle. There's this promise, but then there's this mountain in my way. What are we going to do about the mountain? What are we going to do about the giants? What are we going to do about the obstacles? All right? And so we always find opposition to what God has promised us in our lives. And we know that because there is a kingdom that's here in this world that does not want us. It's resisting us at every turn to have what God has promised. It does not want heaven on earth. Okay? So we need to know what God has promised. And when we have that faith, we start to move into the promises. Jericho wasn't something that was in the way of, was in their way. It was an obstacle. And sometimes that can be an external circumstance. Sometimes it can be an internal thing. Fear, doubt, insecurity, hurts, those internal things. That, Jericho could mean any one of those things. You know, I've, I've chatted to some of our amazing students and I just hear the, the lives where they've, they've come from such poverty and such broken homes and given nothing really, you know, and like get through high school and do well when they, you know, had to walk to school and then, you know, nothing was working in their favor. You know, they were living in neighborhoods of crime and drugs and yet somehow, you know, God preserved, God preserved, God made a way, get too fast, you don't have fees money, trust in God for fees money. And I, I look at some of, the, some of us, you know, who've come through stuff like this and those are, are all external obstacles on the way to inheriting what God has promised us. And the amazing thing is that when we, when we understand faith and when we understand the word as a weapon, man, we just take them down. And we, get, and we go through to the next one and we take them down. And in Isaiah 54, it says, this is the heritage of those uh, who are in the Lord, is that we overcome. That's it. We just overcome. So what is the challenge in front of you this morning? Guess what? The her your heritage is that you will overcome. Amen. That victory is certain now. And then you will have the victory. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So Jericho was super intimid intimidating. Just so you know, they've actually, you know, archaeologists have dug up the entire city of Jericho. And what they found was that there was 
a wall that was 11 feet high and 14 feet wide. And at the top of the wall, there was a a stone sloping wall going up at an angle of 35 degrees to another wall. Uh, And it was going up 35 feet. So you had this boundary wall and then you had higher walls and a slope going up to those higher walls. So actually, when you look at the city, it was impregnable. It was It was so fortified, it was impossible to actually take the city. The only way you could possibly take a city like that in those days was to surround it and starve them out and hope that, you know, they would run out of food eventually because there was no ways you were going over or under or through those walls. As soon as you come against them, you're immediately on the back foot. You're immediately, you know, getting attacked by the enemy and your losses are huge. So this was that type of city. It was an intimidating city. They have no record of victory yet, okay, of taking any cities before this thing. There's no record of victory. There's no nothing that they can bank on, okay? This is a new generation. This river. They, they haven't got, like, oh, we took that other city, so we'll take this city. No, this is the first one. This is intimidating. This is impossible in natural terms. They're looking at the circumstances thinking, you know, what is going to happen here? And then God gives them a crazy strategy. (laughs) You know, what was the strategy? It was to surround the city, march around it, and then on the last day, release a shout of victory, to blow the trumpets of victory, and the walls came down. How was the city taken? It was taken... By surrounding it and declaring victory over it. And this is, this, this is what I want you to get this morning. Either you surround your problems and declare victory over them, or your problems surround you and declare defeat over you. Where are you this morning? Are you surrounded? What are you surrounded by? So what we need to do is when we're surrounded by challenges, we go, no, 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 this doesn't work like this. <laughs> I surround you. You do not surround me. And what do I surround you with? I declare victory before victory is there. Which means this, is that before I am healed, I declare that I am healed. That there is a shout of healing within me. That before I am prosperous and debt free, that I declare I am prosperous and I am debt free. (laughs) Now this is where a lot of you, your minds are going, (laughs) really? Yes, really. This is the power of faith. This is the power of speaking the word. This is the power of declaring what God has promised instead of believing the report that's coming back at us. Is that we surround our situation with the rhema word, we speak it, and we declare victory before we have it. Before my family is saved, I declare they are saved. Me and my household will serve the Lord. We declare it. as if There's a shout in us of salvation over our family. There is a declaration of victory in their lives before it's taken place. And then we have the victory. We go from victory, an internal 
victory in the soul, a victory in faith, the victory in understanding the Word of God, me and my thoughts coming in line with the Word of God. I'm getting the victory in here. I'm declaring the victory out here. And then I go from this victory to that victory. That's how this thing works. Okay? Amen. Amen. Um, This is a pattern. You see Gideon doing the same thing. He surrounds the Midianites. And what do they do? They blow the trumpets. They shout. And guess what happens? The enemy self-destroys. We see this in scriptures. that There's the surrounding. There's this declaration of victory that takes place against all odds, against impossible circumstances, against people, the walls of Jericho. Hello? And guess what happened? They just came down. No, they didn't know the story. We know the story. Put yourself in their shoes. They declared victory, freedom. Yes! God is true. It works. Either we surround our problems and declare victory over them, or they surround us and declare defeat over us. Which means we either go through life as victims or victors. What are you? Are you a victim this morning because of your circumstances? Or are you victorious because of your identity in Christ? Are you victorious because of what God has done in your life? And then you declare it. Look at the scripture in Luke 19, verse 43. These are the words of Jesus. I'm going to wrap up now. Worship team, wouldn't you mind coming back up? I want us to go out singing I Know Who I Am this morning. Can we do that? Thanks, worship team. Gosh, these guys are amazing. Um, and one of the things I'm looking forward to with our worship team is, is that we would get to the, to the phase where we know what the rhema word for us is as a church and we would write new songs and we would start to sing God's rhema in this place. Amen? So worship team, that's where we're going, huh? That we'll grab the rhema word and we'll, we're going to start to sing it here as well. Um, Luke 19, 43, Jesus said the following. He says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on you on every side. He was talking about Jerusalem. Okay, That's the context of what he was talking about. And he was talking in a literal sense that that's exactly what Jeru- happened to Jerusalem. The enemy, the Roman Empire surrounded Jerusalem, AD 70, and destroyed the city. Okay, But they surrounded the city and then destroyed the city, okay? That is also a picture of us, okay? The enemy wants to surround our lives. You know, Trish and I were talking with a woman, I don't know, a couple years ago, and her marriage was in trouble, and she said she had a dream of these lions circling her life. She had a circle walking around her life. She had this dream. It was actually a warning from the Lord because by the end of the year, she was actually divorced, and her marriage was under attack. You see, this is what the enemy does. Is he likes to, he surrounds. He comes around. And, he, and then, firstly, he likes to isolate. <laughs> so if you're isolated this morning, just get that thing right, right now. Find a friend. Make sure you're accountable. Your life is known. Somebody knows who you are, what's going on. You're not by yourself, just me and Jesus trying to do life. And I'm okay. No, no, no. Get get people in okay so don't be isolated then it's much easier not to be surrounded by the enemy but then that's what he does is that he you know he isolates so you all bow yourself and then he comes around you nobody loves you nothing else things never work your way 
You know, this problem surfaces, that problem surfaces, and he wants to surround you with such negativity that you are destroyed. And the promise of God within you never comes out. And we have to say, no, 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 no. We have to be like David. Look at the Psalm 118, verse 10 to 11. It says, all nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Okay? Talks about having a victory mindset. Talks about having a victory in your soul. That even though I'm surrounded by these issues and these problems, I know that I am above this. And I will destroy this. Why? Because I have God's word. I have what God has promised. God has said that I'll have this thing. God said that I will prosper. God said that I'll grow and become what he's called me to be, to be prosperous in every way, my family to be saved. God said it. I know it. And I believe it. And I declare it. And those things will change. Amen. Done. <laughs> done. I'm really done. I think we need to go and do this thing. I think we need to go and live this thing. I hope you feel equipped this morning. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to have a practical exercise this morning. I don't want you to switch off. We're still in church. We're going to sing this song. Okay. But while we're singing, I want you to start speaking over your life. I want you to start to take the rhema words of God, the promises of God. Some of you might have to go dig deep and find that word from 1999. Uh, you know? <laughs> Maybe you haven't had much rhema in a while. I don't know. Forget it. <laughs> Get it. It's still relevant, okay? It's still a seed. And I want us just to have a bit of a Holy Ghost moment this morning. Feel free to walk around this space yard, this but as our team worships this morning, can you just start to, it's a practice session. Call this like, this is team practice time. It might feel a bit strange for some of you, like you've never done this before. Listen, just practice here because you're going to go back to your house. You're going to go back to your job. You're going to go back to your family. And that's where you actually need to really do it. Okay. So let's practice. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, worship team.